It's time for the What in the Podcast. News of the Weird. Begin audio transmission. Welcome to the What in the Podcast with your hosts, Kent Whittington and Adriana Mito. And Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Hello and welcome to the What in the Podcast. Hello, hello. Or should I say, welcome back to What in the Podcast. <laughs> the reason I say this is because, first of all, it's been three weeks since our last recording. Um, and we did try to record tonight previously, only I took us out of the out of the room uh, when recording on StreamYard. When you do that, apparently it just deletes all of your audio content. You have to save it first before you leave the room. I wasn't aware of that. Now you know. Now I know. So here we are once again trying to put this episode together for you, our listeners. We hope you enjoy it. How are you tonight, Tracy? How's your last three weeks been? Oh, in the last three weeks, I have watched my grandbaby get two new toofies and become backwardly mobile. Yeah, we know what that means. And, and, and reverse, breaststroke, reverse. Uh-huh. Um, I have had awesome customers come in the store, including one that looked like Jonathan Frakes today. Um, just freaking awesome. I don't think it was him, but yeah, it looked like him. It was really kind of cool. Uh, I had two yeah. ladies come in that I'm hoping are listening at some point and remember that, that you wanted to reach out to us because I wanted to hear. One of your stories about what you come across, and that I wanted to hear more about your godmother's uh, stories. Or she had, she's a lawyer. She didn't believe in supernatural things. They never happened, and then it happened to her. Mm-hmm. And she's such a believer now. She's trying to make a show so you can see, you know, when the ghosts believe in you, basically. So it was real happening for her. Yes, very, yeah. very much so. Cool. And, you know, as far as the Jonathan Frakes thing, you should have just pulled out a chair and asked him to sit down. Yeah, there's no chairs at Evangeline's. It would have been anywhere near right. Because, um, but if you sat in a right style, you would have known. Well, none of them would have worked. Because the only chair we have on the floor that would have been the right level for seat was about King's Throne tall height in the back. So, no, 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 I'm not going to have him record that one. No, that's not going to work. Excuse me. Sorry. Oh, you got so anyway, tonight, um, now the reason, like I said, last week we did try to put an episode together, but I, try as I might, could not come up with a subject. Uh, My fault. At least for not any length of time, you know, to get a, to get a full episode out. So uh, I gave it a week to rethink, reorganize, and now we're back with a new episode. It's going to be a short one tonight because Adrian and I are sick. Um, uh-huh. I got the I got the dread mahungi from work, and uh, now it's my turn to give it to the kids instead of the kids giving it to me. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I woke up with a neck pain from sleeping wrong and developed a migraine. It was like a falling plane yeah. in the store. So I yeah. think we are a falling plane or a meteor shower out there. I'm not sure. Sounds like a falling plane. Yeah, it's probably just a plane landing at the airport. 
I'm sure it's okay. I hope so. Unless we... Until it isn't, like the one time it crashed in the yeah. uh, pick and pull. Yep. That was scary. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard the crash when it I happened. did. You didn't. We heard it. It was that was so long ago. I don't recall. We were living in Rancho down the street from it. Well, I don't hear anymore, and I don't hear crash, so it must okay. be okay. They must have survived. Must have survived. So anyway, uh, as I was saying, we did put together a little something tonight. I decided we would try and do some news of the weird for the last couple months. You know, starting a new year here. Figure, let's see what's going on for the year. New year, new weird. Mm -hmm. And Tracy, I want you to do the first one because you said you watched the video for this. I did. Yeah. I watched the video for this just like last night, in fact. <laughs> Adrian here so already has the Wiggins from it. <laughs> Uh, doctors remove 150 live bugs from Florida man's nose. Florida man strikes again. Dun, dun, dun. You should see Adri cringing right now. <laughs> um, this is a story by David Moy. Moy? Uh, Moye. Uh, from know. February 20th, 2024. Dozens and dozens of larvae were reportedly feeding on the man's nose and sinus cavity, some as big as the end of a pinky. Florida man is breathing easier now that 150 live bugs have been removed from his nose. The unidentified patient went to hospital earlier this month after noticing that his whole face felt like it was on fire, according to a Friday report by the Jacksonville First Coast News. Although the man started experiencing symptoms in October, it wasn't until recently they began to get serious. Over a couple hours, my face started swelling and my lips swelled. I could hardly talk, the patient told First Coast News. I couldn't even get up to use the restroom without my nose starting to bleed. The man visited the HCA Florida Memorial Hospital in Jacksonville and consulted with Dr. David Carlson, an ear, nose, and throat specialist who was on call. Carlson was, was shocked when he looked inside the man's nose at the camera. He saw dozens and dozens of bugs feeding upon the nose and sinus cavity, some as big as the end of his pinky. Wow. I knew he was in big trouble. There were, was erosion occurring near the skull base in very close proximity to his eye and brain, Carlson said. At first, the physician tried using suction to remove the insects, which were in the larval stage, but they were too large, so he had to extract them one by one through the man's nose. Uh, they were right up against his, the skull base, right under the brain, and had gone. if they had gone through, they could have killed him. The bugs have since been sent to an epidemiologist to determine their species. The patient's expected to make a full recovery. It remains a mystery how the larvae got inside his nose, but he told First Coast News the problem might have stemmed from his bad hygiene habits while handling dead fish. Before, I'd rinse my hands in the river. Now I'll use a cleaner to do a better job and not touch my nose and or hand, the man said to, to uh, told the station. Now, in the video, it shows that... that I'm crazy. Were, like, my nose is running now. <laughs> I bet clear up his sinus is real good, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they had chewed through almost to, to the brain. They were right under the ocular sockets. They were, you know, just clogging two suction hoses first worth you know from 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 how bad it was you didn't know no no and and he you know his comment was you know he he just would catch his fish and go on with life now he's gonna catch his fish clean his hands and go on with life <laughs> sensible precaution yeah <laughs> i don't know you know 
the larval stage of these, if they're that big, I'm not so sure that it's from the fish, but I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I wouldn't think it'd be from fish unless he had, you know, maybe he, he if, fell and passed out and something went up his nose. Be a lot of something uh, there, which is probably the case. Something got up his nose and laid eggs. Yeah. He probably isn't a clean person to begin with if he doesn't wash his hands. It's true. So God knows where it came from, but it came from somewhere, and I doubt it came from the fish. Yep. Ugh, sorry. So on to the next story. A Texas man accused of putting antiques up his kilt-covered butt. I'm not reading that There's one. another video I've seen just recently. Oh, boy. Some of the items the suspect allegedly contaminated include a makeup brush and an antique bottle opener. This is by David Moyer, February 20th, 2024. Associated Press. Associated Press, yep. Kilt-wearing man in Spring, Texas, was arrested last week for a crime that can only be described as asinine. Taking <laughs> items for sale at antique stores and placing them in his anus. Oh, and then he allegedly put the tainted items back on the shelves, presumably so unsuspecting shoppers would purchase them. Give him his own little brand there. Uh, Mitchell Vest was arrested February 15th on charges of criminal mischief stemming from incidents that occurred on February 10th, where he was observed allegedly placing items in his rectum and then putting them back on shelves at two antique shops in spring. According to a news release from the Harris County Precinct 4 Constable's Office, rectum damn near killed him, apparently. <laughs> I know, bad joke. Some of the items the 60-year-old allegedly contaminated include a makeup brush, an antique bottle opener, and a tobacco tent can, according to a probable cause tobacco affidavit. Tobacco what can? Tobacco tent can. Tent? Yes. And I have no idea what that is. I don't either. That's <coughs> weird. But it sounds pretty wide. Yeah. This is according to a probable cause affidavit obtained by the long crime. Total cost of the items was a little over $200. The items that had to be thrown away because of fecal contamination, but investigators were able to connect them to Vest. He was freed on a $100 bond. So yeah. you think about that? In the video, it, he looks like a, a typical toddler. Because, you know, toddlers go, will go through and, and they, they make that stinky, squishy face and they put their hands down their pants as they're loading their diaper. Yep. Only he's not loading it. He's inserting Man, and he, he, he moves with... behind something, so he's partly blocked, but he's still making eye contact with the camera. <laughs> so he knows he was on camera and doing it. It almost sounds like a Florida man. And then he puts it right back on the shelf, book, and walks the, away. It's like <sighs> Some people. Some yeah. people. Yeah. Andrew, would you like to do the next one? Sure. Okay. One second. Uh, yeah, don't think about it. Sorry, no, <laughs> both of them just. Uh, Ohio Library book. This is right. Yeah, okay. yeah, Ohio yeah. Library book is returned nearly a century after it was due. Even has a very neat little bookmark in it. A patron recently returned this book of poetry after finding it in a, her great aunt's house by Christine Rusella Fox News, published February eighteenth, twenty twenty four. A library in Ohio recently received quite the late return, a book of poetry that was originally due back in 1931. The Licking County Library, which has six physical locations in Licking County, Ohio, posted a reel on Instagram on Wednesday, February 14th, showing a recently returned book. This book is 93 years overdue, the video noted. The video revealed the book's interior somehow showing that it was originally due sometime in November 1931. A patriot 
recently returned this book of poetry after finding it in her great aunt's house in the video. The book Heartthrobs was originally published in 1905. The book claims that 50,000 people contributed to its contents. Despite the age of the book, it appears to have been well taken care of outside of the library. It even has a very neat little bookmark left in it, said the video. Well, one could imagine that the, almost, the amount of late fees accrued in this more than nine decades since the book was due back to, at the library. The library will not charge the patron or anyone else who returns a late book. The Licking County Library is now fine-free, said the video media, that it does not charge fines for late returns. The Newark Public Library is now known as the Downton Newark location of the Licking County Library, says the website for the Licking County Library. The library has been in its current location since 2000, has moved several times since it was first established in the late 19th century, said the website for the Licking County Library. At the time Heartthrobs was checked out, the library was located... Oh, sorry, hold on a second. library was located about a quarter of a mile down the road from its current location, says its website. Well, that's the problem right there. They kept moving the library around. How are you going to return your book if you can't find the library? Uh-huh. <laughs> well... You know, anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, it reminds me of, uh, I hate just to bring this up, but it reminds me of that, ep that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry's trying to return the library book that's overdue. It's not a library book. What was that? No, it was a library no, book. No, it was a coffee table book that George had taken into the bathroom <laughs> at Barnes and Noble, and they could tell it had been taken into the bathroom. That's the only book thing that I remember. I think we're thinking of two different episodes, okay. but anyway. All right. I wouldn't know. I didn't watch enough Seinfeld to get any, get any references. Unfortunately, we watched too much of it. But anyway, Tracy, would you like to regale us with the next one? Sure. Okay. A uh, stingray with no male companion still manages to get pregnant. This is by Ben Finley, uh, the Associated Press from February 13, 2024. A Charlotte, Charlotte, a rust-colored stingray the size of a serving platter is pregnant with as many as four pups and could give birth in the next two weeks. Uh, she spent most of her life gliding around the confines of the storefront aquarium in North Carolina's Appalachian Mountains. Now, is this when I say Appalachian Mountains make, you know, strange things happen there to begin with? So, anyhow. Sure <clears throat> She's 2,300 miles or 3,700 kilometers from her natural habitat under the waves off of Southern California. She hasn't shared a tank of water with a male of her species in at least eight years. And yet nature has found a way. Come on, computer, you did it again. The aquarium's owner said, the stingray is pregnant with as many as four pups and could give birth in the next two weeks. Here's our girl saying, happy Valentine's Day. Let's have some pups, said Brenda Raymer, executive director of the aquarium and shark lab of Main Street, downtown Hendersonville. An expert in the stingrays uh, said it would have been impossible for like to have mated with one of the five small sharks that share her tank, despite news reports suggesting <laughs> that was the case after Raymer joked about possible interspecies hookup. The small aquarium is run by Raymer's educational nonprofit uh, team, ECO, ECCO, which encourages local school children and others to take an interest in science. It's the biggest lesson on the, on the, its biggest lesson now is the process of parthenogenesis, a type of asexual reproduction of which offspring develop from unfertilized eggs, meaning there's no genetic contribution by a male. The most rare from the mostly rare phenomenon can occur on some insects, fish, amphibians, birds, and reptiles, but not mammals. Documented examples include California condors, Komodo dragons, and yellow-bellied water snakes. 
come on. Uh, Katie Lyons, a research scientist at the New Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, who is not involved with North Carolina Aquarium, says so Charlotte's pregnancy is the only documented example she's aware of, of for her species, round stingrays. But Lyons isn't all shocked. Uh, other kinds of sharks, skates, and rays, a trio of animals often grouped together, have had these kinds of pregnancies in human care. I'm not surprised because uh, the nature because nature finds its way of having this happen, she says. To be clear, Lyons said these animals are not cloning themselves. Instead, a female's egg fuses with another cell, triggers cell division and leads to a creation of an embryo. Uh, the cell that fuses with the egg is known as a polar body. They're produced when a female is creating an egg, but usually isn't. But usually they aren't used. Here we go. Uh, we don't know why it happens, said Lyons. Just that it's kind of the, I, just that it's kind of really this neat phenomenon that seemed to be able to do. I can talk tonight, I swear. Uh, Raymer said that she and others of the nonprofit at first thought Charlotte had a tumor when they noticed a lump on her back that was blowing up like a biscuit, but an ultrasound revealed her pregnancy. We we're like, uh, shut the back door. There's no way. She said, we thought we were overfeeding her, but we were overfeeding her because she has more mouths to feed. Charlotte currently lives in a tank that is 2,200 mm, 2, gallons or 830, sorry, 8,300 liters, nearly the size of a construction dumpster. Remember said they're hoping to get a tank nearly twice that size to accommodate Charlotte's offspring. They also want to put live cameras up to, for people to see them. It's very rare to happen, Remember said, but it's happening in the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains in, nor in rural North Carolina, hundreds of miles from the ocean. As for the suggestion that Charlotte could have been impregnated by a shark. Lyons said that's impossible. Besides being different sizes, the animals wouldn't match up anatomically, and neither would their DNA. We should just set the record straight that there aren't some shark ray shenanigans happening here, said Lyons, whose graduate focus graduate work focused on the species. Brown stingrays like Charlotte are abundant in the Pacific coasts of Southern California and Mexico, <laughs> often resting on the ocean's sandy bottom near the shoreline. In the wild, they're typically the size of a small dinner plate as their name comes from a circular shape. They are found in all shades of brown. They eat small worms, crabs, and mollusks. They are preyed upon by certain types of sharks, seals, and giant sea bass. They are well known by, to humans because of their painful sting, often resulting from a beachgoer, sorry, from a beachgoer's foot stepping on them. Southern California lifeguards encourage people to do the so-called stingray shuffle as they wade through the water, in large part because of the brown stingrays. Lion finds the species... <laughs> Lions finds this, this species fascinating, for example. Embryos in the room are bathed in a uterine milk that provides nutrients to help them develop. I'm glad, that, I'm glad Rousing Ray is getting the media attention it deserves, Lions said. It's not necessarily sexy <laughs> as a white shark, but they do do a lot of really neat stuff. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know stingrays uh, could do parthenogenesis like some of these other animals. I knew frogs were capable of it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. I wonder what sort of cell the polar body is. I mean, it's just any cell in. I believe a polar. Oh, wait, let me make sure because I want to make sure that I'm not speaking out my focus on this. But I believe it's just a a um, <laughs> empty cell, only carrying um, only carrying the DNA, but not much else. Polar body. Here's what I've got. It says a polar That's body is a small cell that is a byproduct of an oocyte meiotic division. Polar bodies are formed by meiosis and 
differentiate and develop from oocytes. There are products of oogenesis, which is the process that produce female gametes or egg cells. Okay, I'm still lost. <laughs> a small haploid cell, so it's a half a cell formed by at the same time as an egg during oogenesis. The generally does not have the ability to be fertilized, but generally does not have the ability to be fertilized. Generally meaning it can happen occasionally. Right. Okay. And instead of going up uh, north-south like the rest of the eggs do, it looks like it actually splits and has an east-west orientation. Okay. Which I guess would be the polar portion of it. So instead of... Right. So, so being that it, it's the east-west orientation, at least in the pictures we have here, it, it's probably what makes it susceptible even though it shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Because if the AV gets rotated just right, I don't know. It's really, really bizarre. But at the same point, kind of cool. <laughs> so it's more like a hit and run with an egg cell. Yeah. And then okay. it happened, you have four eggs. So, hmm. Right. Four pups. Yeah. yeah. Whatever life works. Life will right? find a way. Exactly. Just like Jeff Goldblum said, life finds a way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the next story is English pancake racers say the key is going flat out. Pun intended, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, this is from Kwai Yun Ha and Brian Melly from the Associated Press, dated February 13, 2024. Uh, this is for centuries, women in only England have run a pancake race to mark the day before the start of Lent. Women in matching checkered aprons, headscarves, and a rainbow of running shoes limbered up Tuesday as they prepared for the centuries-old pancake race in this English country town. They rolled their shoulders in unison, raised up on their toes and did squats before stepping to the starting line, frying pans in hand. At the word go, they sprinted through the streets, trying not to drop their pancakes as they raced through the path taken by a harried housewife in 1445, who legend has it heard the church bell signaling the Shrove Tuesday service and raced off with her skillet. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a horrible distance, said Kaiser Larkas, a 44 44-year-old mother of four who legged it past Eloise Kramer to capture the only title for the time of 63.37 seconds. You just have to go flat out and then hope that you're not going to fall over. But it's good fun. The tradition has been repeated over the centuries, not only in Oldie, but across England and even in the United States, where the Kansas town of Liberal copied the idea and has been trying to outrun their friendly British rivals for 75 years. This year, the U.S. leg won with Pamela Boulevard, a 19-year-old college student and nursing assistant, crossing the line at a time of 63.03 seconds. It was one of the closest races ever. What was the, the difference there? Like 0.34 seconds. 0.34 seconds, yep. <laughs> yep. The race is held the day before the start of Lent, the Christian period of repentance and sacrifice before Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. Like no I said, dying. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to die. I'm going to finish the podcast and then maybe die. Anyway, no. So the race held the day before Lent. Sorry, I the Christian period of repentance. Don't go there. <laughs> the race is held the day before the start of Lent, the Christian period of repentance and sacrifice before Easter, celebrated as Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday in other parts Girl of the Tuesday. world. The name Shrove Tuesday derives, <coughs> dang it, <coughs> derives from the English word meaning to seek forgiveness or be granted absolution. 
If a secret recipe behind winning the race exists, it probably would call for a pinch of skill, a dash of athleticism, and an extra scoop of whimsy. The competition falls somewhere between the Great British Bake Off and zany local pursuits such as the rough and tumble cheese wheel chase down Cooper's Hill. Have you seen a video of that? Yes, I have. Yes. Scary <laughs> and hilarious at the same time. Those yep. wheels of cheese are huge. Not only are they rolling down, it's but the they're rolling down too. with the cheese yeah. if they're not careful. So the rudders must <laughs> flip the pancake at the start and the finish of the race. The 415-yard or 380-meter sprint itself may be a form of penance ahead of Lent. Two Kansas sisters who competed in liberals since they were children traveled to Olney this year to see where it all began. <coughs> We've been talking about it for a long time, said Amy Thompson, who painted her nails with British and American flags and, of course, pancakes. We like those festival odd things, and we decided to quit talking about it. It's the 75th anniversary, and this would be the perfect time to come. Olney in Buckinghamshire is about 60 miles or 100 kilometers northwest of London. Liberal is in southwest Kansas, just north of the Oklahoma state line, and about 200 miles or 320 kilometers west of Wichita. Can somebody please do the next one so I don't die? The processing of commercial information is complete. Back to the show. What's the next one? <laughs> it should be, I believe, Miss Adrian. It's going to be Reese's Pieces. Yeah. Sorry. Reese's Pieces. Four dried monkeys seized as illicit bushmeat at Boston Airport. And if you don't get that, that's Reese's spelled R-H-E-S-U-S. Like Reese's Monkeys. Like the Reese's Monkeys. Yep. Flip Hulligan, uh, published February 12, 2024. Hold on one second. I don't know my glasses. Some super exotic items simply don't make for legal souvenirs as one traveler returning to Boston from the Dominican Democratic Republic of Congo learned. U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents last month seized four dehydrated monkey bodies from the luggage of an unnamed passenger returning to Boston from the African country via Paris, France on Delta Flight 225 on January 8th. An agency spokesman said Friday a CBP canine named Bud Buddy sniffed out something suspicious, so the agents questioned the passenger, according to an agency statement. The passenger only said that it contained dried fish, one of the few agricultural products that border agents don't appear to be as strict about, according to agency online fact sheets. Agent X agents x-rayed the luggage, and the claim appeared to be true, but the suspicious agents decided to open the bag anyway. Pretty soon, agents found themselves looking not just at some dried fish, but the eerie sight of four desiccated simian faces. The agency in a statement called them mummified monkey remains. The monkeys are a form of bush meat, the agency spokesman said, which is defined as raw or minimally processed meat from wild animals in some areas of the world, including Africa. The importation of bush meat is illegal because the meat of wild animals like monkeys, cane rats, antelope, and other, others pose a communicable disease risk. The potential dangers posed by bringing bush meat into the United States are real, said Julio Carav. Tara Via, the area port director for CBP Boston, bushmeat can carry germs that can cause illnesses, illness including the Ebola virus. The work of CBP's canine unit and the agricultural specialists were vital in preventing this potential danger from entering the U.S. The CBP contacted the Centers for Disease Control, or CDC. A lot of abbreviations here. Uh, the federal agency with regulations 
with regulatory authority over materials that could contain communicable diseases. The CDC said that Delta Airlines must seize the luggage and return it to its last point of call in France or destroy it all. The four monkeys, which, which in their dried out weight, uh, in their dried out form weighed four kilograms, which uh, were detained for CDC and marked for destruction, according to an agency spokesman. Illicit wildlife trafficking is the fourth largest source of finance for transnational criminal organizations, generally generating about 23 billion, just knock it off, 23 billion each year, according to the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. At the core of the illegal wildlife trafficking is a rapidly expanding demand for a variety of products around the world. Bush, bush meat, ingredients for traditional Chinese medicine, exotic pets, jewelry, trinkets, and accessories such as chess sets, furs for use, uses ranging from coats to traditional costumes and trophies. An agency fact sheet continue, continues. So the guy that. probably said, what, I don't get my jerky? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Just what kind of jerky is he thinking about? Sorry. <clears throat> Monkey jerky. What else? Bad, Tracy. No donut. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I can imagine what he was bringing that into the U.S. for anyway. We already know. Nail enhancement. What else? You use bush meat in in Africa in, in Africa for uh, religious purposes sometimes too. Yes, but this man was bringing it to the U.S., so I was. I doing know it. he. What about? Okay, like the thing I saw the other day about the Af the the African land snails that uh -huh. ended up in Florida. Okay. Uh, they were brought in by a shaman. Yes. And kept in his backyard, and they got out and migrated to other places. Well, Florida, in Florida has a strong Haitian. Uh, yes, but you, you don't know. We don't know the guy's religion. We don't go the guy's original nationality <laughs> or historic nationality. This is true. He could be. It could be for. It doesn't necessarily need to be for male enhancement. It could be for anything. And I don't know the risk of getting Ebola from a monkey. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Gross. Nope. Sorry, sorry, I'm just very opinionated when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> let's get away from the monkeys and go to the next one. So, Alabama radio station stolen off the air after 200 foot radio tower is stolen. Because, you know, because that happens. Uh, this is by David Moyer again from February 9th, 2024. A maintenance worker called on Friday saying the tower is gone. React recalled WJX's Brett Elmore. I said, what do you mean the tower is gone? <clears throat> if you happen to see a 200-foot tower laying around, there's a radio station in Jasper that would love to hear from you. Of course, I'm thinking by this point, it won't be 200 feet long. It'll be chunks. But anywho. Have you, have you seen my radio tower? <laughs> um, WJLX AM. Sorry. Uh, WJLXAM has been off the air since February 2nd when a landscaping crew visited the tower where, or where the tower was supposed to be for a bit of routine maintenance. Station's general manager, Brett Elmore, told Birmingham Fox affiliate WBRC that he was shocked when a crew member called him with some news. When he arrived, he called me on Friday saying, the tower is gone. Elmore told WBRC, I said, what do you mean the tower is gone? Are you sure it's the right place? He said, no, no, the tower is gone. There are wires everywhere, and it's gone. The radio station's Facebook account announced that the theft rightfully noting this is going to get out eventually, so I might as well make it public before it does. There's more. 
This morning, the Bush Hog crew went down to the tower site to do some early cleanup of property before we did some more work down there. When he arrived, he called and notified me that not only was my building vandalized, but my 200-foot tower was gone. They stole every piece of equipment out of the building. Guy, they cut the guy wires on the tower and somehow managed to, tow, to tear down 200-foot tower and take it from the property. Although Enmore fire, sorry, Elmore fire, filed a police report, <laughs> Jasper, Mayor, pardon me, Jasper Mayor David O'Mary told NBC News that the local authorities lacked the information needed to conduct a full-fledged investigation. WJLX listeners can still visit the station online, but a note on its webpage said that the Federal Communications FCC denied the request to broadcast on an FM radio via sister station. The local broadcasting colleagues have reportedly have reportedly offered to help build find a temporary transmitter location, according to the Inside Radio. Elmore said the tower and the other equipment weren't insured, so the station has organized a GoFundMe to raise $60,000 to get back on the air. As of Friday afternoon, that's back on the 9th, the campaign had raised around $1,400, but Elmore's trying to remain optimistic. We're a small market station, and we're going to get back. We're going to be back in the air as soon as we possibly can, he told NBC News. Currently, there are no suspects in the theft, but Elmore said inside radio... Uh, that he doesn't see some guy off the street doing this. It looks like it was a professional hit. Anyone with information who might have, who, sorry, anyone with information as to who might have offed the 200 foot radio station or have it in their possession is asked to contact the radio, the, the contact the Jasper Police Station. I am stuck on words today. Woof. Hey, buddy. Psst. You want to buy a tower? <laughs> <laughs> I you got your right. Clank, 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 clank. Open the trench coat. Want to buy a tower? <laughs> yep. Yeah, they and it's not like they could just hide it. They would have to. Uh, they'd have to somehow break it down. It so. would have to be. It, I mean, unless you're only broadcasting only a few hours a day, right? right. Or maybe it's a few hours a week because it's a small station. Uh huh. But you would honestly to do it you taking all the equipment from the building so that's gonna be a carload of stuff yeah and you're you're gonna have to do it basically when no one's there doing recording or so anything. like, a, like uh, an overnight type thing yeah in the dark multi-car multi-truck because although you know <laughs> you're taking 200 foot long pieces of metal you'll be taking metal there are flatbeds out there that would hold it there are flatbeds, but depending on the tower type, it may be, you know, a single pole type thing, you know, the old aerials, but ugh. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's almost an inconceivable theft, but you can think about it and, and there are ways to do it. Um, and I have nothing to do with it. Sorry. I don't even live in the area. <laughs> just, just ugh. But, no. <laughs> So anyway, let's go to the next one. It's another Florida deal. You read that right. Florida Sorry, officials man. have runaway kangaroo. Hillsborough County Sheriff Office released audio of a woman reporting kind of a large marsupial in her apartment complex. Kind of a large one. It's only the largest one that I know of, except for what, the panda? Not all kangaroos are the same size. True, true. You also have, there's the other ones that are the small ones that aren't kangaroos. The wallabies. The wallabies, yeah. yeah. So this is from the AP, uh, February 9th, 2024. Tampa, Florida, a wayward kangaroo was corralled safely by sheriff's deputies Thursday after it was spotted hopping around the pool area of a Florida apartment complex. 
Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office released video and still photos of the kangaroo, including some footage shots from a helicopter. The agency also released audio of a female resident of the complex calling in to report. I actually see a kangaroo. It's kind of a large kangaroo, the unidentified woman says. We got him closed in the pool gate area. Deputies were able to figure out the animal's owner and reunite them after checking for its proper registration, the agency said in a Facebook post. No injuries to the kangaroo or any people were reported. So, yeah, the video shows uh, the aerial footage on uh, the infrared camera of this pool in this apartment complex and this kangaroo just bounding around the pool. Cops are cops are there and they start trying to corral this kangaroo. Of course, it's going to run from them and everything. And they're, they're keeping clear because, you know, they know kangaroos can kick, of course. But they finally do manage to get it corralled and it's in a pen and everything's fine after that. Yeah, kangaroo. <laughs> so, you want to tell us the next one? Sure. A little, little political intrigue here? Sure, why not? Go for it. Pigeon suspected. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Pigeon suspected of being Chinese spy cleared by Indian police. The suspected Chinese spy pigeon was detained for eight months' detention before being released into the wild on Tuesday by the Associated Press, February 1st, 2024. A pigeon that was captured eight months back near a port after being suspected to be a Chinese spy is released at a vet hospital in Mumbai, India, Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Um, by a newspaper, which I cannot read. So, New Delhi, <laughs> New Delhi uh, Associated Press. Indian police cleared a suspected Chinese spy pigeon after eight months' detention and released it into the wild Tuesday. News agency Press Trust of India reported the pigeon's ordeal began May when it was captured near a port in Mumbai with two rings tied to its legs, carrying words that looked like like Chinese. Police suspected it was involved in espionage and took it in. Later, sending it to Mumbai's Ba Shekhar by Dinshaw Petit hospital for animals. Eventually, it turned out the pigeon was an open-water racing bird from Taiwan that had escaped and made its way to India. With police permission, the bird was transferred to the Bombay Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, whose doctors set it free on Tuesday. Mumbai police could not be reached for comments. <laughs> Sorry. It is not the Nor first time a bird to. has come under police suspicion in India. In 2020, police in India... An Indian-controlled Kashmir released a pigeon belonging to a Pakistani fisherman after a probe found that the bird, which had flown across the heavily militarized border between the nuclear-armed nations, was not a spy. In 2016, another pigeon was taken into custody after it was found with a note that threatened Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. This is just awful. Imagine the eight-month interrogation. Those poor birds. <laughs> Are you a spy? <laughs> That's crazy. Is Tracy still here? Tracy, you still with us? Uh oh. That's pretty. There we are. We now I'm Tracy. back. My no, computer decided it was going to power off for no good reason. <laughs> it got real quiet for I was like, where's Tracy? That's all right because we're on the last story, Tracy. It's all yours. It's all me. Woohoo. Yeah. Seven kings cakes stolen from New Orleans. Now, don't oh, do don't computer don't do that now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you were a little choppy. So there for seven a kings Go cakes ahead. are stolen from New Orleans in a 
from, from New Orleans Bakery in a very Mardi Gras way. <clears throat> this is put in by the Associated Press, January 29th, 2024. Uh, with the purple, gold, and green colors and toy babies hidden inside, King's Cakes are staples of Mardi Gras celebrations in New Orleans, but apparently they're also valuable enough to steal, at least this time of year during the carnival season. A thief stole seven King's Cakes, about as many as he could carry, during a break-in last week at a New Orleans bakery. The thief also took cash and a case of vodka from Bittersweet Confections last Wednesday, according to New Orleans Police Department. Our King Cakes are just that good, the bakery wrote on social media, but please come and purchase them during regular store hours. While it's a secular celebration, Carnival in New Orleans and around the world, it's strongly linked to Christian and Roman Catholic traditions. The season brings... Sorry, begins on January 6th, the 12th day after Christmas, and continues until Mardi Gras, known as Fat Tuesday, which is the final day of feasting and drinking and revelry before Ash Wednesday and the, the fasting associated with Lent. King's cakes are among the food most associated with Carnival in New Orleans. The king's, uh, the rings of the pastry are adorned with purple, green, and gold sugar glazing and icing, and often have tiny plastic babies hidden inside the, as a prize. One wisecracker responded to the bakery social media post with a tongue-in-cheek false admission was, and that he was a thief, saying, It was me holding all seven babies hostage until I get a lifetime supply of King's Cakes from you every year, the man posted. Just think if he hadn't carried that vodka, he'd have been able to take more cakes. Well, there might have only been seven in the, the bakery overnight. Could be, That's but he's he only got one arm. You know, seven rings on one arm, seven rings on the other, 14 <laughs> cakes coming out the door. <laughs> They are they are ring they're they're ring cakes so you know it's probably they're how I carry them out. So, so what does the baby get you in a king's cake? It's basically like you get your wish kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's if you end up with the baby out of a king's cake in your family, you you get like your wish or something. Basically, like finding the baby Jesus. It's like yeah, basically that's what yeah. it is is the baby Jesus. Okay, so I, I looked it up. So it says luck and prosperity. Uh, the baby symbolizes the infant Jesus because of the religious connection to King's Day. Tradition dictates that finding the baby in your cake uh, symbolizes luck and prosperity. And the finder becomes the king or queen of the evening. The person that and the person that hosts Mardi Gras buys the and sorry the, and the person to host their next party Mardi Gras party and or buy the king's cake. By making so king's cake, so. So you find the baby, you're the king for queen for the day, and then next year you host the next party. And you have to you have to, to supply the cake. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight. I think we've covered everything. Yes. Hope so, everyone so, has a, a, a happier, healthier week's cup coming. I could use happier and healthier. No, no more plague hitting houses. No more migraines. Please, no more migraines. Yep. So uh, before we go, Tracy, you're you're uh, doing the whole voting booth thing again, aren't you? I so. am. I am. So here's my my election thing for the or election spiel for for the the year again or the the election again. Vote. If you're part of Sacramento County, your primary election, your general election, we have 11 day sites that are now open. Four day sites will be opening next weekend. Vote. Come in. Please do it. Um, 
we we don't have you go to your old polling locations. Your old polling location probably isn't there. It's been this way for a few years now. But if you're working in downtown Sacramento, you live in 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 South Sac, Natomas, all the way up to to our border. You can go into where you're near your working. Vote and then go back. We have a printed on demand for you. You can either print on demand and vote there. You can use our touchscreens because we have touchscreens for you to use. Yes, they are ADA compliant, but these are so much better than the auto marks. So much better than the auto marks. Come in and vote. Everyone dislikes the auto marks. Our my 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 blind voter who who would come in with his wife and then would leave her at the door and ask my mother or I to help him when the auto mark wasn't working because he wanted someone unbiased and not his wife to vote. And they loved each other desperately. I love them to bits and pieces, but still, um, we, we, they, there is no connection to the outside world other than we make sure your name hasn't voted. You know, you as yourself have not voted before. We make sure that you are logged in as voting. We have on our separate computers that are not connected to the internet at all. We have our, um, yeah, no happy. Our different ballot types. Mm-hmm. Huh? No, no internet whatsoever. Yay, no hacking. Yep, exactly. There's no no hackability. Um, I like this. We, we, we can print up the ballot, and that's all it does is print up your ballot. Either put it onto a card so you can do the touchscreen or print up a paper ballot. The printer is not connected to the internet. It's only connected to the card we get handed to do what you want it to do. Um. It's, it's simple, it's sweet, it's to the point. Nothing is online. When you finish voting, you take it to the, the box. It's just a plain old box. You just dump it in there. Bunk. And we, at the end of day, start it, count it, take it to the office. And starting the day after the election, at O'Bright o'clock in the morning, canvassing happens. We start doing our 100% touch your ballot to make sure that every precinct is touched. We do the 1% count to make sure everything matches what is gone through the scanner and read. So please come vote. I, I, I say this with, with every plea, come vote. Mm-hmm. And primary elections are the lowest turnout. Let's turn that around. Your voice can be heard. Come vote. Give me something to count. <laughs> well, it really is a difference between getting your candidate on the ballot in some cases, yeah. Exactly. And, and if you're complaining about, you know, your, your roadways, your your infrastructure, things are going completely, your vote matters. The person who's in charge isn't doing it. Get someone else in there. Look at your, your ballot. Take care of it. Vote. Yep. Fair enough. And that's as political as we get on this podcast. Yep. We really don't do politics, but... This is important. It's important. Everybody should have their voice. Should have a voice. And this and is, you, this is how you do it. Primaries, this is my push for you. U.S. Go vote. Go vote. Don't bitch because your candidate lost the, the the primary election. Go vote. If you don't vote. If you don't vote, don't bitch. You can't complain. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I've got my opinion. Yeah, they can complain. It's just I don't want to hear affairs. it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, that is kind of do it for now. Like I said. Um, I do want to say, though, uh, we are still looking for stories from listeners. If you have a story that you'd like to share with us, uh, please send us a message by uh, email at whatinthepodcast at gmail.com. Contact Tracy, Adriana, or myself on our Facebook links or go to the What in the Podcast. 
Okay, please do. I or you can go to the What the Podcast Facebook group and leave a message for us there as well. Exactly. Uh, have, I left, have I left anything out? I don't think so. Natalia don't says everyone has to feel better, and she yeah, shares cool. her blah from across I, I the room. I did forget something, actually. You can also leave a message on our message link on this particular podcast. So wherever you're listening to it, look for the link in, our, in the description. It's right there on the bottom. Just click it and leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, please. And that includes the two ladies that Tracy was talking to. If you're listening yes. to this episode, contact us. We want to hear your stories. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from your godmother. I'd love to hear the whole nine yards. I want to hear what made the lawyer, the, the, the grounded reality is here lawyer, suddenly go, ha, ha, ghosts are real. I want to know. Yeah. yeah, what was that turning point? Yes. Yeah, I really would like to know. Anyway, I think that's it for tonight. I'm going to go off the air and die. Uh <laughs> no dying. You can go oh. off the air and go seepies. No dying. Okay. okay, now you for a little while, right? No, 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 no little death, no dying. No, okay, all right. Okay, well, the more possibly, but not dying. The more is something else yes, it's really is. different yes yes, yes. Don't, we won't go into don't, that don't go there. <laughs> this is a family friendly show don't go there that's why i said petite mort's okay but no dying no i will be sleeping with princess night <laughs> so anyway that's going to do it tonight folks thank you for listening we'll see you in about two weeks until then stay spooky and let's all cue the, the gremlin uh-oh tracy blew it I did not. You said it after us. I said it with you. you try to get it one, lagged. two, three. Cue, Cue the gremlin. I can't talk. You lagged again. That was me lagging. No. <laughs> it didn't sink on our side. Three. Cue, Cue the, the gremlin. gremlin. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm right there with you. My mouth is moving when your mouth moves on the camera. I'm watching. That's all right. Good night, everybody. Say good night, Tracy. Good night, Tracy. What in the Podcast is a part of the What in the Podcast Network and is available on Anchor, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other great podcast formats. You can find us on Facebook at the What in the Podcast Facebook group. If you have a great story idea or have a personal paranormal event that you want to share with us, email us at whatinthepodcast at gmail.com with your story, or you can leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the episode description. If you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us five stars. It doesn't seem like much, but it helps us more than you can imagine. What in the Podcast is also made possible thanks to our sponsors and listeners like you. Thanks for listening.